You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained, ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Okay. Today we're talking about the high priest and what he does for us. Not the, not the high priest of the Jews, but the high priest for you, Jesus, in heaven right now, for anybody who believes on him. A high priest, according to this verse here, the high priest knows what God requires and makes sacrifice accordingly. He makes sacrifice accordingly to what God requires. That's good to know. But your high priest is up there doing what God requires, not what you want to do, not, not what fashion says is right, or what religion says is right, but what God says is right. The Israelite was not examined when the sacrifice was brought in. Who is, it, who is examined when the sacrifice was brought into the temple? The sacrifice was. The sinner was never looked at at all. They just looked at the sacrifice. Is the sacrifice worthy? If your sacrifice is worthy, then you're worthy. Amen. Glory to God. That's good news today. Read verse 2, Miss Ann. Who can have compassion on the ignorant? That's me. <laughs> and, that, and on them that are out of the way. That was me. For he... For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Yeah. Now he's talking about the, the natural high priest now. Because Jesus is not surrounded by, by infirmity. But the, the, the Aaron was. He is there for the assurance and insurance of God's people. Amen. You know what an insurance policy is? It's an agreement with a company that they will take, the, the, take your risk. It's an agreement with, with a group of people who's going to say, we're going to, we're going to take our risk for you. Take your risk for you. You give us a certain amount of money and trust in us, and we will take your risk. Wow. That's what Jesus has done for you. Took all the risk of hell away. You see, he really went to hell. He did go to hell. He didn't stay there, but he went there. Three days. I used to wonder, did he just go to Abraham's bosom or did he really go into the flames? I believe now he went into the flames because of this. Three Hebrew children went to the flames. They found the fourth man walking in the flames with him. Amen. There were three of them. He was there how many days? Three. See the symbolism in it? Three days he suffered, so you never had to go there. That fourth man in there, was, it was him too. That meant that, they meant, that meant that the fire could not touch them. Right. The fire will never touch you. Because Jesus went there for you. Glory to God. Amen. 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 That's powerful right there. 
He verse 3 me saying. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. Verse 4 and 5. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Read on. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Read more. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Okay, listen to this. Now Jesus is our Melchizedek. Melchizedek is only mentioned two times in the Old Testament. Two times. Genesis 14 tells him tells us about his life. One one little thing about his life. He was a, he was a priest of Most High God, and he was from from Jerusalem. That's where he lived. As in, as in in Psalm one ten, David David prophesies. This is a psalm of David. David was asking as a prophet. Then he said, "Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek," talking about Messiah. Nobody had ever heard those words till David said them in Psalm one ten. Think about this. David said this. David, who is it? What does Jesus call the son of David? It's powerful. He's a king and a priest. That way, he rules to reign over our lives and over the, over mankind. He rules all the all the nations are under his authority. Yet he's acting as a high priest for us. Wow, this deal is rigged. It's just rigged in, in your in your favor. The king and the judge of all the universe is also your 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 attorney. You want to take your risk. Yes. Amen. Yes, amen. I like that. I like having the toughest guy on the street in my favor, yeah. on my side. That's what I had when I was in school. I, my my bro, big brother was a was a tough kid. Everybody was respected him and was afraid of him. That made my life better, you know. It made my life a lot better than it would have been. The kids that didn't have a big brother had a rough life. I, I used his name like a hammer too. I said, I'm going to tell my brother on you. Somebody big picking on me, you know. It worked. Listen, when the devil comes after you, you tell him you're going to, going to tell your big brother on him. I got I got somebody in heaven that's bigger than you, devil. Glory to God. It says he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, let's look at Melchizedek just for a minute. Genesis 14. I gotta get there first. Verse eighteen. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, Jerusalem, brought forth brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Bread and wine is only a partial sacrifice in the Old Testament. In the New Covenant, it's a whole thing. How do you know this? 
Communion. Our communion is now this. That's how, that's how he becomes, Melchizedek becomes the symbol of Christ for us. You know. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithe of all. Okay, there's four things here I see. That makes Jesus the order of the Melchizedek what it means. What it means to us, it means our communion. We have communion with God because of Jesus. His Melchizedek priesthood for us. Second thing is the blessing. He said he blessed him. Abraham came from back for more, and his, his priesthood went out there and blessed him. Didn't curse him. Didn't say, oh, you got blood on you. You didn't do it right. You didn't say the right words when you stabbed that guy with that sword. You didn't warn him. No, he's on his side. He just blessed him. Blessings are yours today because of Jesus. He gave him identity. He called him what? Listen to this. One verse in the scriptures says that Abraham was going to inherit the whole earth. Romans, Paul's revelation says says that Abraham should be the heir of the whole earth. That's what it meant, Father of many nations. Hear me. When he says, Abraham, let's back up and find it. Verse 19, read verse 19, Miss Anne. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and Possessor of heaven and earth. He's not describing God there. It's describing Abraham. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He said Abraham was a possessor of heaven and earth there. Just like God possessed it, Abraham possessed it. God, had, God was in covenant with Abraham. So everything he had was his. Everything God has is yours today. 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 Amen. Give you identity. That's the third thing that, that Jesus does as our high priest. First thing is he brings us communion, a blessing, and identity. You know who you are when you, when you have a high priest in heaven like that. I know who I am. I'm John T. Holler, son of the Most High God. You ask, mo you ask most men who they are, they'll tell you what they do for a living. Tell you what to do. Full of works, legalism. That's all legalism, legalism is described by what they do. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm described as grace describes you as who you are. Amen. Glory to God. That's good. Amen. Most high God. Possessor of heaven and earth. And the fourth thing he said there, he's there to receive your tithe. This is good preaching. Y'all don't stop shouting now. He's there to receive your tithes. Yeah. Look at Rome, uh, Hebrews 7, verse, verse 7 and 8. Hebrews 7, 7 and 8. Listen to this. I've heard people say that tithing is not in the New Testament. Pardon me, it's all over the New Testament. I can show you lots of places where it is. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes. Here in the case of Aaron's priesthood, the earthly priesthood, 
But there he received received death. But there where? In heaven. Of whom it is witness that he liveth. He receives him. Because he's alive. There's no no record that Melchizedek is alive. But there is a record that Jesus is, Jesus is still alive. And he receives our tithes. Amen. Glory to God. Tithing is not an illegal thing. It's a very spiritual thing. Tithing is not about, about you obeying the law of Moses. That's nonsense. Tithing is about being like Abraham, the, the father of faith, who, whose response was to give a tithe. That was his faith response. You got that? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Okay, so the four things that Jesus' Melchizedek ministry does is it offers communion, blessing, identity, and it receives a tithe, the blessing of the tithe. Amen. Uh, I want to go back up here now. Where will we leave off? Hebrews 5. Verse 8. Yeah, read verse 7 again, Miss Ann. This is talking about Jesus now. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Okay, he's talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. This is when Jesus was strong crying, prayed that he wouldn't die. I've heard so much bad teaching about this throughout my lifetime. People are saying, here you see the humanity of Jesus. He was afraid to die, just like you would be afraid to die. He did not want to go to the cross. That's bull. Tell two people, that's bull. Jesus was dying right there in the garden. He didn't want to die there in the garden. That's what he was praying about. Let this cup pass from me. The hero of the universe did not wimp out at the last minute. Our hero said, I want to make you to that cross. He knew his purpose and he was praying to get there. To, he knew he was dying in the garden. See, see, this, there's no way to have a, have a practice run. Right. He had to take this all by himself, all alone. Had to face it one time, all by himself. Amen. There's no way for him who is life to ever experience death. He couldn't. Know, he didn't know what was going to happen. Right. When God placed the sins of the world on him, like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, God reckoned him to be guilty of your sin. Yes. He became sin for us. Became the, sin, the source of sin. Became the centerpiece of hell, as it were. Yes. To take your sins away. To take your sins to hell. Without you having to go. Amen. Think of that. Your sin went to hell and you didn't have to go. <laughs> Glory to God. This is good news, man. It is. I brought you some good news today. Think about this, so God was in Christ doing this, reconciling the whole world unto himself. He placed sin on Jesus, and Jesus said, I am exceeding sorrowful even to the point of death. Yeah. And Jesus didn't throw words around like we do. He didn't say, it tickled me to death, and I'm sick to death, I'm about to die. You know, he didn't talk like that. When he said, I'm about to die, he was about to die. See what I mean? He was dying in that garden. He knew it. He said, he began to pray, God, let this cup pass from me. 
because I'll not make my destination. I'll not make it to the cross if I die. If I die here, he's a bigger hero than anybody ever thought he was. He wanted to die for you. You were the goal set before him, the joy set before him. Amen. And he was heard, it said, and that he feared. He wasn't saved from death on the cross, was he? No, he wasn't. He died on the cross. He really did die. He wasn't saved from that, but he was heard from that in that garden. It's this right here that says that. Maybe then cometh Jesus to them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder. He took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, O Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thou, as thou wilt. He knew he had to make it to the garden, make it out of the garden into the garden of, to the cross, to Golgotha. That's the only way to, get, to accomplish what he came for. Read verse 8, Miss Anne. And heal men that die, receive. No, no, verse 8 in Hebrews 5. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. There was no way to rehearse this for death. He had to face it one time all alone. No way, no, no, no way to, no way to rehearse it. Had to just go through it one time. Verse nine. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You have eternal life, but you have eternal salvation too. Eternally saved. Hear me. When, when does eternity begin? It already started. Began, began back to eternity past. Eternity doesn't mean just from here forward. It means it's for all time. I uh, want to give you a way to t tell people how you, why you believe they believe, why you believe that they believe they're eternally saved. I've talked to numbers of Christians throughout my lifetime who don't believe in eternal security, don't believe they're once saved, always saved. My, my usual question is this. Let me ask you a question. Miss Anne, come up here and play with me. Play with me for a minute. Let's say you're, you, you're that Christian that doesn't believe you're eternally saved. You Maybe you can lose it all the time. Yeah. Been there. Been there. You used to be that way, didn't you? Yeah. I did too. I was raised Pentecostal. Pentecostals don't believe this, mostly. Some do, but not, not anybody know what I'm talking about. But listen to me. Are you saved? Yes. Do you have eternal life? Yes. They believe that. They they say I have eternal life. You have eternal life. Yes. Does that mean you're eternally alive? Yes. How did somebody who's eternally alive ever go to hell? I don't know. <laughs> Simple. It's a simple thing. Make them, make them, make them think about what they believe. Yeah. What they say they believe. They say they believe they're eternally alive. Either you are or you're not. Yeah. It's eternal. 
or it's not. If it's just a part-time salvation, it's not the right one. Amen. Thank you, Miss Ann. If it's just a part-time salvation, it's not the right one. This is an eternal salvation. Amen. That's how you do it, by the way. And it says unto them who obey him, salvation unto all them that obey him. Listen to this. Listen to me. That word obey is hupakuo. Hupakuo. It's a Greek word. Make a friend of it by saying it yourself. Hupakuo. Strong definition for that. It says to hear under as a subordinate. That is to listen attentively. Where's obeying that? See what they do, what legalism does, and the King James Bible is the best Bible in the world, but it's not it's not perfect. Because they were they were they were legalists that that the Church of England is not does not offer does not offer security. They believe you have to obey to be saved. So they take the, take this word which means to hear under and make it about obedience instead of hearing. Because when you make it about hearing, you make it about faith. Faith comes by hearing. That's how you're saved. Not by obedience. We've been obedient all, all, all along. We still went to hell. Remember, Abraham was obedient in chapter 12 of Genesis, but he was not righteous. He was successful in, in his journey, in his bid for, for wealth. Chapter 13, he went down to Egypt. Got, came out fabulously wealthy, it says. He wasn't righteous. Chapter 14, he's, he beat his enemies up, won back Lot, tithed to Melchizedek in chapter 14, but he was not righteous. Chapter 15, he heard God's word and believed God's word, and that made him righteous. That's all it does. That's the only way to be righteous, in believing the word of God, the message of God. You got that? Okay. To listen, it means. To listen, to hearken to, to of one who... On the knock at the door comes to listen to it. See who it is. That's awesome. So Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. And uh, and when you hear it, then the faith comes and you and then you can obey. You will obey. But it has to you don't miss a step of faith. Religion always wants to go around faith anyway. Always wants to go around faith. Because it, read Romans 5 1. It's just coming to me. Romans 5 1. For every high priest taken from a. No, read Romans, Romans 5 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Read on. By whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Read chapter 4, verse 8, I think it is. Romans chapter 4, verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Read on. Cometh this blessedness then of upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness that's right we are the children of Abraham so our righteousness comes one way not a whole bunch of ways one way one way by faith amen and back to Hebrews 5 
Let me see. Ten. Paul is God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, this is the first time it's ever mentioned in Genesis 8, 14, 18 through 20. We already read that. And David David mentions it in uh, Psalm 110, verse 4. And they build this whole doctrine of, of our high priesthood out of two references in the, in, the, in the Old Testament. Two references. You see, the gospel was not fully re- re- revealed in the Old Testament. It was just mentioned here and there, scattered. There was no revelation of it until Paul came along. Jesus kept this a secret. Kept it a secret. Isn't that amazing? Thousands of years. He just dropped it here and there. So Paul would find it and make the doctrine out of it. And whoever, whoever wrote Hebrews is Paul, a student of Paul, of course. And they saved it all for who? Who did they say this for? You and me. Saved it for us. Oh, it's an amazing thing to think that. Uh, verse 11, Miss Anne. I like this one right here. Talking about Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say. And hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> dull audiences make, dull, dull, make teaching hard. <laughs> dull audiences make for dull teachers, it says here. So don't blame me if you go to sleep. <laughs> Verse 12. When the time, for for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. You can stunt your own growth. Amen. Stunt your own growth by rehashing the foundations all the time. Never growing up in in God. Never always always using milk. Milk is that food that's been processed through someone else. Yeah. Hebrews six one says, "Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, and not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Amen. The dead works of the law. The dead works are of the, the works of the law. That's what he's talking about." Second Corinthians three six and seven says, "Who also hath made us able ministers of the new covenant, New Testament, not of not of the, the, the not of the letter, but of the Spirit? For the letter kill, kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the manifestation of the death of, but if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance." Which glory was to be done away? What they're talking about here is the old covenant is a, is written in stone. The old covenant written in stone would never save anybody. It kills people. It's a killer. If if the one that God wrote killed people, what do you think about the one that preachers write? It's a death. It's a death sentence. So say you got to cut your hair. You got to grow it out. You got to dress like this. You got to do that. You got to do that. It's all nonsense. Not even, not even in the Bible. 
I've had people, had one guy tell me one time, Tammy Faye Baker was going to hell because she wore too much makeup. I said, then your wife is too, brother. He said, no, my wife doesn't wear makeup. I said, but it says a plating of hair. His wife had that hair way down there. They played it and wrapped it up on her head. Yep. He said, Brother, you wouldn't send a woman to hell for petting your hair, would you? I said, it's not my doctrine, it's yours. Your doctrine. Yeah. You, you, you're the one who teaches that. Yeah. You're, just, you're just picky about who you, who, who you give it to. Yeah. So we agree to disagree. Read verse 13, Miss Ann. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Okay. Righteousness is a mystery revealed in the Gospels. Righteousness is the mystery revealed in the Gospel. See, let me turn you to Romans 1, 16 and 17 and 18. Romans 1, 16 and 17 and 18. I'm excited today because uh, we got our firstborn granddaughter married off yesterday. (laughs) Friday, Friday, not yesterday, Friday. A lot of fun, Friday night. And uh, I danced with her. We cried the whole time. She and I have always had a big connection about crying. If I saw her cry, I cried too because I couldn't stop it from crying. You know, she was my first granddaughter. I just cried when she cried. One day, my son saw me doing that. He said, God, Dad. <laughs> and he had been making her cry. He had her by the hand. He's talking real mean to her. You better sit there and be still. You and she started crying. I looked at her and so I started crying. She was about two years old. We stood there and just both, both, both of us crying in a restaurant. Both of us crying, wiping tears. One of, one of my other kids said to my said to said to Eric, said, "Look at Dad." He saw me crying. He said, "God, Dad." <laughs> I said, "You better be, be glad I'm crying, son, because I'll be coming across that table after you today <laughs> and have this as an outlet." Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Miss Henry, that... For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God. Wherein? In the gospel is righteousness revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and un righteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So we've already seen the unrighteousness. He goes on to talk later on about this in verses 19 through 30, something like that. All that went on in the Old Testament with the unrighteousness, the wrath of God and unrighteousness. The gospel is where the righteousness of God was revealed. The wrath we already saw. We saw the wrath all over the place. How angry, how angry God was with man. For his, for his sinfulness. But now we saw where God appeased his wrath in righteousness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Growing up then means you can communicate righteousness without legalism. According to this passage, growing up, growing up means you can communicate righteousness without legalism. Let me ask you something. 
Paul got this revelation. Where did he get it? Anybody know where he got it? He, he did not. He did not get it in 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 Israel. He got it in Damascus on on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, but he he went out into Arabia, came back to Damascus after three and was three years in Damascus getting this download from Jesus in Gentile lands. I looked up today this morning what Damascus means. I was so shocked what Damascus means. It means silent is the sackcloth weaver. Silent is the sackcloth weaver. It means that means God put us put an end to, to barking at people for their sins. They no longer have to repent in sackcloth and ashes. All they have to do is believe. Amen. And the message of believing came to, to Paul in Damascus, right there. Silent with the sackcloth weaver to bring him forth a message of faith and deliverance through through the faith of Jesus Christ, through the grace of God. Amen. Oh, that's good. That's good. Take that, devil. Legalism always talks about what you're supposed to do. Grace talks about who you are. Amen. This is strong meat, too. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. Verse 14. That's verse 14. Okay. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You, you get strong in this by doing it, yeah. by telling people about Jesus and all he has done for you. The finished work is finished. The finished work is finished. That means anybody can be saved today. Anybody can be have eternal salvation today. Know for a fact that they're going to heaven. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for the Word of God. That we stand on your Word today because we can. Thank you that you gave us a Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for those who are hearing my voice today who do not know you as Savior, who never received you as Savior and Lord. Help them to know that they can be saved today. Be saved eternally. Forever be saved. And it's not something they have to redo every, every year because the blood of a, a goat was one year old or blood of a calf was one year old, but the blood of the eternal covenant Blood of, blood of God was shed on Calvary for us to make this an eternal thing. Thank you for that, Lord. Your blood never never loses its power and doesn't dry up. It's always in force. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, if you're here today, you need to receive Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You can be saved today completely. Completely saved. To the, to the bone saved, for eternally saved. Never have to wonder again. Never have to wonder again. Amen. Amen. Okay. Come on, Miss Ann, do your thing. God bless you all. I love you. Amen. Got a pause. Let's pull up the. Uh...
declaration as we go out. Father, I thank you for blessing your, for blessing your people in their going out just like you blessed them in their coming in. Amen. Thank you, Father, that you have caused us to be the head and not, not the, the tail, above, not, not beneath. First, not last, victory. Thank you, precious Father, that you have caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people go forth, armed and dangerous with the word of God. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.